2: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast from Taunton. We're here all week covering the county championship titles decided between Somerset and Essex. We had some cricket today before the rain interrupted proceedings with Somerset on 75 for 4. We'll talk about what we saw later in the show, but first we'll stick our teeth into the England scores that were announced today that saw six uncapped players picked for the first time for the Tours of New Zealand. I'm Yasrana and today I'm joined by Crick Buzz's Fetushan Hantaraja. Cheers for joining us today Vish. Thanks for having me. And whiz and hip young gunslinger, Harry Joses. Welcome, Harry. A pod debut. Are you excited?
3: I can't wait, yes.
2: <laughs> well, let's get started. Johnny Besto, a mainstay of the England side since his recall in 2015, has been left out of the test squad while four uncapped youngsters earn their first England selections. Besto's exclusion, I guess, is the headline news there. Here's what England's chief selector, Ed Smith, had to say about it early in the day.
1: Johnny drops out of the test squad. Johnny's a very talented cricketer, we believe he has the potential to be a top, top player in Test cricket for England. Um, He has played a lot in all forms and had a very hectic schedule. It is an opportunity for him to reset um, and to work on one or two things. If I was asked to give a prediction, my prediction is he comes back stronger and has a a very good England career in test cricket in the future. James and I are going to go up and see him on Wednesday. I have spoken to him already today and uh, just chat all those things through. Um, Obviously, Johnny batted three for three test matches uh, when he wasn't keeping wicket, got 100 in Colombo, Um, played well in Barbados for 30 odd. and got 50, counter-attacking 50 in Antigua. Returning to the gloves, he's had a more difficult spell with the bat. Um, I think the important thing to focus on there is, Johnny was picked as a batsman in 2012 for England, as the outstanding young batsman in England. Um, He has a non-test match first-class average of 50, which puts him alongside Joe Root. Only Ollie Pope, obviously, is above those two and in the period of time that he's been an England player his non-test match first-class average is 57 so that clearly shows his potential um as a as a red ball cricketer um and i think that's a there's a real opportunity now for him to reset and and focus on how he can go about being that becoming that really top test match player
2: I agree with pretty much every word that he said. He seems intent on getting the best out of Johnny Besto, the batsman. Were you surprised by Berto's exclusion, Vish? Um
0: I was, yeah. I suppose I wasn't surprised that he was dropped. I think I'm more I suppose confused that he's gonna be taking part in the T twenty side of the tour, which happens first, he'll be there for a few weeks for the ODIs at start the beginning of November November, and then will be sent home. I looked at Johnny Besso this summer and I thought maybe actually he just needed a bit of a rest. And if you're going to drop him from the test side, you may as well drop him from the T20 side because if you're thinking about it in terms of next year's World T20, he probably proved himself as a T20 opener during the IPL. If you think about the makeup of that squad, it's obviously giving a few people a rest. Butler's not in it. um, Ben Stokes isn't part of it. Also, Jason Roy is in part of it. And you'd assume that Jason Roy is a bit of a lock there as the opener for next year. And I see Johnny Besto is that too. So I was a little bit confused. And also, I suppose, knowing the personality that Bairstow is, I think it would have probably compounded his misery a bit. Not to just be out there playing with some people who, who he knows are alternates, but also as soon as the test squad come into town, he's you know moving the other way, having called these guys teammates for the last four years, as you mentioned at the start. Um, and I also think it's a bit odd because what we've seen is Johnny Baxter was a Test Batsman exclusive. He has been actually quite impressive. And I appreciate the fact that over the last three years, his numbers have been pretty bad. But I saw that as made, I saw this actually as maybe as an opportunity to, yeah, take the gloves off him and give them to Butler, but also make him fight for his place as as a Test Batsman. And I think Baxter is best when he's challenged. Um, and by dropping him, you kind of lose that altogether. Or maybe, you know, it's a master stroke and maybe he comes back all guns blazing and you know smashes things in South Africa if he gets a recall through that but yeah it just struck me as a, a bit of a confusing uh, move from the England selectors yeah
2: how much the way in which people talk about Berster recently in terms of his test form has been a lot about uh, the men's side of things but for a long time I think there's been technically something not quite right there so Ben Gardner regular voice on the show went digging for some stats and sent me an email at 11.06pm last night keen um and, he, and in the email, he said that before January 27th, so basically when Besto became England's ODI opener, Besto was dismissed once every 229 balls against Pace when he's playing a defensive shot. Since then, it's every 30 balls. Every 30 balls playing a defensive shot. He gets bowled loads. Time away will, would help. He's not getting the time away that he could have got if they totally left him. Um, but it's almost him playing T20 cricket is not going to help his red ball cricket. At all, he well, no time away. Yeah, not at all. In the nets,
0: basically. I, I think even from you know, I'm, I'm not too hot on my batting technique and things like that, and, and what makes a good red ball player compared to a white ball player. But Besser does look a bit more front on now, doesn't he? And I suppose in his white ball cricket, when he opens the innings for England in ODI cricket, anyway, he hits predominantly through the off side, and he does so from pretty strong base, and he's almost standing there like a baseball hitter. Um, for the most part um, I, I thought about this with Jason Roy as well actually I think the, with Jason Roy there, was pe- there were people talking about changing his technique and wanting to make him more Red Bull literate I suppose but you would lose a lot in Jason Roy's overall game if you did that you would definitely lose something in the in him as a limited overs player Johnny Besto seems to have made that journey the other way around He's, you know, he kind of nailed Test cricket in about two, 2016 and then you know, as you say, from that day, when he became a regular white ball opener, seems to have lost that entirely. And I think if you look at his yearly averages from that point, they've gone down steadily and I think it's at twenty right now in twenty nineteen. Yeah. yeah. So so it's a weird one. I suppose it depends also on what Besto wants to do. I appreciate in this country we see Test cricket as the as the pinnacle. But evidently Best has wanted to be more of a white ball player. Um, and he's taken those chances Pretty solidly, you know he he didn't need to put himself more, up more than that.
2: Like well, he, yeah, he, him, him and Roy. If you look at numbers, uh, arguably the greatest opening partnership in the history of ODI cricket. I always wonder, are we expecting too much from Bairstow? Like, Look look at India. Rohit Sharma, they've been trying for years for yeah. a, an undisputed ODI great, hasn't been able to crack it in test cricket, really. And Aaron Finch for w- Australia as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, uh, to expect somebody to be Johnny Besto 2016 good at test cricket and Johnny besto 2019 good at uh, ODI cricket at the same time is... Quite unrealistic, I think.
0: Uh, Yeah, I suppose, but because we've seen twenty sixteen Johnny Besto, we know that player exists, and England could really do with that player right now. Yeah, Um, so yeah, I I mean, you know, you're always the one asking questions in this pod, but like, you know, you've got some quite strong opinions about how England have gone about Test cricket the last year or so do you see this as a good move for Besto or yeah, a better yeah, move for England to yeah. be rid of him
2: I do I'm surprised they did it but I think it's a I think it's the right decision to make in the short run because Besto. ideally if you can get 2016 Johnny Besto back brilliant let's get him in but at the moment I think keep keeping him A in the side but B even like just carrying the drinks on the subs bench I don't think that does achieve anything he needs time away and let's get that player back if we want to see him again in Test cricket Let's focus on the positives. There are four newbies in the squad. Dom Sibley, Zach Crawley, Matt Parkinson and Saqib Mahmood. Harry, who are you most excited by?
3: My answer's probably a bit left field, Yaz. The one who excites me the most is Matt Parkinson. He's an absolute match winner in all formats of cricket and he's still, you could say, relatively inexperienced in the Red Bull game. But every time he plays for Lancashire, he takes wickets. So a lot of
2: people will know Parkinson predominantly from how well he's done in the Blast. I think he was the second leading wicket taker in 2018.
3: But in Red Bull cricket, he's is, he is just as good. Yeah, absolutely. He made his debut in 2016 in Div 1 then against Warwickshire and took five wickets on debut. Dane Villas trusts him to bowl in the big moments for Lancashire. He took the wicket that sealed them promotion or the Championship, I can't remember which way round. His, his, well, when he started at Lancashire, had Simon Kerrigan, who'd played for England. Stephen Parry played for England. Those two, Kerrigan's gone. Parry's sec- very much second choice. They're in the periphery because of how good this lad is. And do you think it's too early for him? You think now's pretty much the right time? I absolutely think it's the right time. I think the test that Mason Crane played, that would have been too early for Matt. But he's got control, which is he's got control beyond his years. His economy is not even above three in first class cricket, which is phenomenal for a leg spinner. And he's 22 years old, nearly 23. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see him.
2: And I guess he's unlikely to play in the test series, but England do have a tour to Sri Lanka early in 2020. Uh, and with Adil Rashid and Moen Ali not in the test pitcher at the moment, you'd think that he's got a really good chance of playing there.
3: You'd, you'd like to think so. And it's an exciting... Op- he's in a leg spinner plays to take wickets mm. to win new test matches in the fourth innings, don't they? Mm. And he absolutely can do that. And I think you could see him and Jack Leach bowling in tandem to each other. And that could be something that could be really, really exciting to see.
0: He's um, he's quite punchy as well. Like he uh, During the North-South series at the start of 2018... He, um, you know, the ECB were really keen on on making that as competitive as possible. And I don't think the players really bought into it until, you know, a handful of them really started going at each other. And Parkinson very much led it from the north. And I think he had a brilliant, I think it was the second game. He basically won for them single-handedly, took something like three wickets in the space of two or three overs. And I think that was when England realised, or certainly... England or coaches within the ECB realized that they had something there because we always get excited about leg spinners because, you know, they're so rare. And the fact that we've, in English Creek, I think we've been blessed with quite a few of them, not just Rash, but obviously Mason Crane, you've got Parkinson as well. Um, But yeah, he kind of came into his own and as, you know, Harry, as you said, he had two established spinners in front of him who turned the ball the same way he did. And he's basically ousted both of them there one way or another. Um, yeah very exciting and I I don't think you know you you might look at his numbers this season and see that well he's only averaged 30 in Division 2 and wonder I think he's better than that I think he's better than that that. but it's like 19 wickets I think it is something like that yeah (laughs) and think you know are they just picking this guy in the test squad because of how he's done in white ball but I think you could you could throw him into a test tomorrow and he might not be in the finished product but he's going to give it his all and yeah I've always been very impressed by him and I'm quite glad that he's got the chance
3: just on Vish's point, I had a look yesterday at who the leading spinners were in Div 1 and Div 2. In Div 2, Matt Parkinson's the leading spinner. And he's played four games for Lancashire. He's taken 19 wickets, taken a couple more today. But got, his, that, got his twin brother out. He did indeed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I saw that on a, on a popular Twitter account, actually. I don't know who posted that.
3: Probably myself. <laughs>
2: We talked about Dom Sibley for ages on this podcast. His selection doesn't come as much of a surprise, but the one of Zach Crawley does a bit. He averages just 31 in first-class cricket. Vish, to people who've not
0: seen him play, what do you think the English selectors have seen in him? Potential, I suppose, more than anything. Uh, he's still very raw, as those numbers show you, but he plays pace bowling very well. Uh, he's quite tall as well, and so I think the view to... The next Asher series, they think if he's someone who can come good, he can do well on those pitches over there. Um, he's also a multi-format batsman, which kind of suggests that he his technique is quite robust all the way through. I think he impressed quite a few people in Australia when he was playing great cricket this time around. I think he played for Randwick Peterson, which is David Warner's club. Um, and He certainly played a game where he scored a T20-100 off 40 balls against an attack predominantly made up of Sydney Sixers bowlers. I think Ben Dwarshus who's a left arm bowler, at a pretty good pace. was also playing in that game and got carted about by him. But they, I think they can pick on potential in this particular squad, not least because they've picked Dom Sibley. So you're rewarding performance there, and it's likely that Dom Sibley will probably get the get the starting place. It um, looks like Joe Denham will probably move down to three, with Root moving to four, Root moving back to four, and then... Sibley and Rory Burns opening the batting there so you can pick you know someone to get that experience I don't expect we'll see him actually play I'll I'll be surprised if he plays at all this winter to be honest because they're playing in South Africa as well and then they've got Sri Lanka in the new year but if you can get him along get him training in the nets with all the other senior players and get the coaches to have a closer look at him and whoever it is whether it's most likely going to be someone on a Caretaker role through New Zealand, anyway, but get him that international experience and get him a tour and see what he's about. Probably they'll probably learn more about him outside of the nets and things like that. Seeing how he copes when he's away from home, the kind of things that you do think are you know aren't that important, but when it comes to dealing with a 20, 21 year old, you know, will go some way to telling you what he's what he's about, I suppose. Um, so yeah, you know, if, if you're going to pick Sibley and you're going to give him the starting both why not pick Zach and see what he's um, see what he's got, yeah.
2: Something that I don't normally think about when it comes to selecting players, but uh, at the end of the play here, Tom Banton was talking about his selection. We'll talk about him in a bit, but he he said that he he doesn't know many of the England players that he's in the squad with. That must be quite weird. And I guess players they are they are really young, and they'll all adjust differently. Do you, do you think how much how much do the selectors consider how players ad, adapt on tour when it comes to picking future squads?
0: I think they consider a decent amount. I say because of because they play so much rep cricket for England. For example, Banton's you know played at Under nineteen World Cup in New Zealand. He's been on various different kind of age group tours, either with Somerset or with kind of performance programs and things like that so they would have a a, I suppose a level of detail about him about how he copes um, away from home whether he little things like whether he gets homesick things like Mm -hmm. that obviously not something to hammer a bloke about but knowing that you might have to take a bit more care with with certain people um, you know just being I suppose more conscientious that's you know professional sport in 2019 is about you know uh, developing the person as it is much about developing an understanding for the player as well so I think they would consider probably who knows him best, and they might get whoever that may be to to, to maybe put an arm around his shoulders or things like that. Even someone like he, he might look up to. Um, I appreciate Butler's not in the T20 squad, but Butler would be someone I assume that he would look up to as a, a younger Somerset player, even though he was originally from Warwickshire. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll they'll find ways of uh, dealing with him, and probably get a senior player, someone like Ben Stokes, who obviously isn't on the T20 squad, but he's generally someone who. Is a bit more social behind the scenes and will put an arm around younger players or even get the young players involved and things like that. Because, you know, what we've seen throughout this um, summer is it doesn't matter how long the players have been together, you do still get cliques of individuals hanging out together. And I think he'll probably be fine. He's got a bit about him, doesn't he, Tom Banton? He's mm. um, a very confident young man. And it was quite sweet, actually. I think he mentioned that his mum was crying when he um, told her about the call-up, which mm. is which is pretty cool. So... I mean, not cool that she cried, but, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, you know it means, means a lot. It tends to mean a lot more to the, the older players who thought that it was beyond their time and the younger players who come in. And uh, I suppose that's a, another nice story that we have in English cricket this summer, yeah. Um, and Harry, Saqib Mahmood, what can we expect from him? He's picked the barrage of
2: right-arm, medium-fast bowlers who were perhaps thought of being ahead of him. Um, I guess also part of the selection is that England really value pace. And Saqib Mahmood is he's quite quick,
3: isn't he? From what I've seen, he's, he's seriously quick, maybe pushing not quite as quick as Archer, but that sort of level, and he swings the ball a lot, he swings it late, there's a lot on social media, I think he recently got Anuj Dahl out at Derbyshire, and like that ball swung late and in, and he did it in the RL50 as well, to get a white ball to swing is really impressive, so I imagine that they feel he can swing at good, at good pace, he's well worth a punt basically mm. and he's taken loads of wickets four lengths when he's played this year
2: he's not played that much Red Bull cricket I guess he's another one who's established himself more playing 50 over cricket uh, he, actually I think you made the point earlier today that his T20 record isn't actually that good he's done really well in uh, 50 over cricket but he, he's been selected for both
3: squads as well yeah i looked a bit closer into his t20 record and he actually struggled a bit this year for lanks he played nine games took eight wickets and had an economy of 8.8 which isn't brilliant it's not awful but it's not brilliant his overall t20 record his economy is 7.7 though so he obviously started really really well and you can have a bad day can't you in t20 it happens to all the bowlers and perhaps that was it there's some pretty hard hitting batsmen in the north group in the blast but also it could be a case of it's a second season syndrome type thing batsman a bit more aware canny to what he does and he'll obviously have to work on that but in i imagine he will talk to Jofra archer i know archer's not in the t20 squad but you can talk skills at any time and someone like Jofra is going to help him massively
2: it's quite exciting. Um, seven of the 15-man squad are 24 and under. I don't remember that ever happening with an England squad. Probably, it's probably never happened before. Um, they're really looking for the future. Ed Smith talked today about this being a, a new, I think, new, new cycle or new age, one of the two. Do you think they're right to do that and to put these young guys in now? Because we've had a, quite a few young players in recent years who've been picked off one or two really good years and really struggled after that initial selection in the first England team
0: yeah i'd say they're right to do it you can make quite a compelling case for all of them can't you and any i suppose any argument against is tempered by the fact that well why not because you know we're going to have a we're not going to have a head coach in time for new zealand most likely so you may as well see what what you can from other players it would be kind of pointless picking an unchanged squad considering this is ultimately the start of a new cycle Um, If we consider ashes to ashes. But even the World Test Championship, with that on the horizon, this series actually doesn't count towards that. So it's a bit of a free hit. I don't know, you know, tests before the World Test Championship didn't count for much, but only as much as you put on them. So I kind of can't see why not. This This feels a little bit like a free hit. And I think England are using it quite well considering the personnel and especially the ages that you mentioned there about so many of them being under 24. Do you think that if you select somebody
2: when they're young and they've not even played that much first-class cricket and it doesn't go well for them, they can go back into first-class cricket and that's like damaged them and it might have harmed their overall development in the long
0: run? No, no, I wouldn't think that because I think that the players, I suppose let's talk about the players you're talking about here, Zach Rawley, Parkinson and Saqib Mahmood, Mm. I'd be surprised if those three play at all in New Zealand to be honest Um, but for the experience of being around the squad the experience of Mahmood bowling with Stuart Broad the fact that um, you know uh, Parkinson's going to be there training with other England players and training with whoever England get on as their spin bowling coach at the time and whoever Zach Crawley is going to be you know speaking to or learning from I think it will kind of it will kind of I suppose accelerate their um, education when it comes to international cricket and probably maybe show them actually what you need to do to get to that level often that's one of the things you hear about players when they don't play a a squad they come away and come back to international cricket sorry, come back to domestic cricket and they train harder but they also train smarter as well and I think it gives you that bit of an insight into this is the world you want to be a part of and here's what you need to do to be a part of it
2: Tom Banton and Pat Brown have been called up for the T20 squad for the first time. Two very exciting players. Um, Harry, are you glad to see them in the setup?
3: Yeah, I think they're absolutely right to reward the young players. I think the T20, like Vish said, it is a new cycle. They've got, obviously, T20 World Cup will be a year away from when that series starts. They are both really, really impressive cricketers. The Banton just looks phenomenal. He's absolutely fearless, isn't it? I think you put back on the clip of him reverse sweeping Sam Curran for six a
0: ridiculous shot.
3: like it? just one of the most amazing shots you'll see and I watched Brown twice last year he's he's a good bowler he's got a lot of skills and he backs himself completely a bit like you said that Banton's quite self-assured he, he knows he's good mm. not in an arrogant way but Pat Brown would want to bowl the Super Over of the World Cup final he's that sort of character mm. he's not going to shy away mm. he's a winner
0: it's interesting isn't it because we've got you know we talked about how or it's been talked about how T20 is a batsman's game and we wondered about the evolution of the bowlers and yeah not only have we got Josh Farage coming out but you look at how Pat Brown's bowled in the last two years when mm. we should sure got to the T20 finals uh T20 finals twice in in consecutive seasons and obviously got picked up by the Melbourne Stars and couldn't fulfil that contract because of his back injury <laughs> funnily enough replaced by Parkinson who then couldn't fulfil that contract because of a back injury for him but the fact that we've got these quick bowlers who are so smart at such a young age and uh, so fearless and yeah it's exciting to see and the fact that they're both english as well you know that's when uh, it's it's such a weird time to be in english cricket because we have so much to be excited about and that excitement is not usually something you'd associate with english cricket
2: it's a great time if you're a if you've been a fringe player around the england white ball setup over the last few years because they're all back chris jordan sam billings David milan jane vince um, they're all included. Um, but we are at Taunton, so let's talk about Somerset versus Essex. The, the forecast for these four days was dreadful, but we did almost get a full session in this morning, and the forecast is much better for tomorrow. Somerset, who need a win, finished the day on 75 for four. Sam Cook took a couple of early wickets. He has figures at the moment of 8.5 overs, 2 for 5. He averages 21 in the Championship this year. He bowled really well, I thought. It was like a bass-like probing line, nothing loose. Fish, were you impressed by him today?
0: Yeah, he's... um. He's like a Philander light, isn't mm. he? Like, I, I don't know if he will play international cricket. In fact, probably because he doesn't bowl at that pace, you can probably say that he could easily go throughout his career and not mm. get close to the international side. But he's got such great control. He moves the ball both ways. He moves it off the deck as well. And the, um, the ball to remove Stephen Davies, you know, he, it was the last ball of an over which came in when all the others had gone the other way. Round the wicket as well, just really immaculate stuff. And... Marili P- Vijay played a bad shot today, but that's not a bad wicket to have in your back pocket. You know, someone of, as experienced as him and with as many international runs as Marili Vijay. Um, Simon Harmer just doing what Simon Harmer does. I think, you know, I, I don't think he should play for England. I think he, he should be anywhere near that. But when he talks about him being the, when Harmer talks about himself being one of the best spinners in the world, it's hard to argue when you see him, you know, win a finals day on his own for Essex and then you know, take a couple of wickets here on an overcast morning for them as well.
2: At the end of the day, James Hilton was saying uh, just how tricky the pitch was to bat on. Um, he said that a few balls kept low. He wasn't sure if the pitch could turn more than it w- did do today because of just how much it did today. So given that, 75 for four is a pretty decent score, Harry. I mean, Somerset win a lot of their games in a very low scoring contests. So actually, this is set up quite well if we can get enough cricket in.
3: Absolutely, it just just takes one sort of gritty seventy or one lower order partnership to frustrate Essex. And we, you know what the Somerset bowling attack will do, especially at home where they are leave We've got Jeff, Jack Leach back who's is there a better bowler at Taunton than Jack Leach? Probably not. Um but it's just that none of the Somerset batsmen average over thirty three this year. Which is Good start. Thank you. <laughs> Wanted to get that on it, Which but that that shows their struggles with the bat and there's so much experience in that Essex batting lineup that you don't think they will panic. Whereas maybe some younger sides would do. But it, it should if we get enough cricket, it should be absolutely fascinating.
2: Well, cheers Vision Harry. We will be back tomorrow for more. Our fingers are firmly crossed four drive weather. See you then.
3: network.